Welcome to the New Zealand Initiatives podcast. My name is Oliver Hartwig. I'm the Executive Director of the Initiative and I'm joined today by my colleague David Law, Senior Fellow here in the Economics Programme. Welcome, David. Thank you, Oliver. We want to talk housing and we want to talk about the government's housing package announced last week. We already talked about the rushed process that gave us this package and today we want to focus more on the substance of the package. So perhaps it's worth just recapping what was in that package. So, David, we had a doubling of the Brightline test from five to ten years. What was that about? That's right, Oliver. So a Brightline test is basically a test that tells you whether or not you're subject to paying tax on capital gains from the sale of an investment property. And before, the time for that was five years. If you sold before that, you were subject to paying tax on the capital gain of your investment property. Now it's 10 years, so you have to wait at least 10 years to sell an investment property if you want to be exempt from paying tax on the capital gain from that. So that's an effective capital gains tax for investment property. On top of that, the government also removed the interest deductibility from investment property. That's right, and that's a really big one because it is the probably the single largest expense that most landlords and property investors actually face. So that is going to increase the costs of providing rental accommodation quite significantly. And from the government's perspective, increase the tax take rather significantly as well. And on top of these two demand side measures, we have a supply side measure, which is rather mysterious, about $3.8 billion allocated to infrastructure for new housing development. But I think we don't know too much about that yet. That's right. At the moment, as far as I understand it, really we have an announcement about a planned amount of spending, but no details, uh, no detailed plan on how to spend that money. So what will all of this mean for the housing market, for house prices? Will it actually make it easier for first-time buyers to enter the market? Yeah, well, that's the really critical question, isn't it? I think there are a couple of elements here. If you want policy to work, you need to get problem identification sorted in the first place. That is not happening. Last year, we had migration being blamed for rapid house price growth when, in fact, borders were closed and net migration had been close to zero. Now it's a term of property and speculators. Of course, they're not speculators, but property investors. Uh, but, you know... Actually, what we have is a supply problem. We have overly restrictive land use regulation, and then on top of that, understandably so, we could quibble about exactly how it's being done, but we have accommodative monetary policy at the moment fueling that. Now, if you... Uh, you, you can see the, the problem with poor problem identification from our own past. So over the last 10 or 20 years, we've had many interventions on the demand side for housing. We've had rather uh, strict loan-to-value ratio restrictions brought in. We've had bans on foreign buyers. We've had various tweaks to the tax treatment of investment properties before. And what we still see, house price increases. So I'm, I'm uh, sceptical that even if we see a, perhaps a one-off easing of house prices, we probably won't expect persistent reduction in house prices going forward. But if you just look at the big picture... Basically, we haven't seen anything yet that will change supply. We've added more costs into the system. No one's talking about it, but 
we've, we're taxing the things that we want more of. And there are distributional effects as well that we just don't understand because I think, you know, even the officials involved in putting together the policy package and advices on it don't have said they haven't had proper time to understand. So we don't know, for example, the degree to which rental and owner-occupied housing is substitutable, how many renters are actually in a position to afford to own their own home if they want to. We don't even really know how many property investors are affected, how much they're affected, and whether or not there might actually be more transfer from mum and dad property investors to institutional property investors than to first home buyers. So we're not really changing the supply side of the housing market too much perhaps with the exception of the 3.8 billion package for infrastructure, but we don't know that yet. However, what we are going to do is we're going to change the composition of the demand side between tenants, landlords, first-time buyers. So we can only really expect with some certainty some distributional effects on the demand side. I think that's right, Oliver. And what I think we're going to see is that coming through mostly in the rental market, the costs of providing rental accommodation are now set to increase quite substantially. Of course, I don't think people realise necessarily providing rental accommodation is actually voluntary. And if the costs of increasing that go up and you can't recoup those costs, people don't have to provide rental accommodation. And providing rental accommodation is also quite costly. Well, of course, there's, as we've already said, there's a lot of uh, capital involved in owning a rental property to to put to market, right? You know, it might cost you a million dollars. You've got to borrow in order to cover that, many people, and there's interest costs on those. There's also so let's calculate that through. Say you've got an investment property worth a million dollars, you have to finance, say, 80% of that, and you pay currently, what is it, around 5% um, in mortgage rates. On that. Yeah, well, perhaps now it's only 3%, but that, that might not persist forever. So, but, but and, and perhaps not for investment property. And anyway. perhaps not for investment. So 5% looking looking forward. And if you're a, a um, careful investor, you might be thinking about what interest rates mm. will be in a couple of years' time, not just today. 5% on $800,000 borrowing would be $40,000 of interest payments per year that you now have to pay 33 or 39% tax on because you can't deduct that expense anymore. So that's another 15000 or more mm -hmm. uh, dollars a year. So these extra $15,000 a year that landlords previously could deduct from their tax bill, or rather from the taxable income, they now have to recoup somewhere else. So where are landlords going to find that extra money? Well, they're going to have to either put up rent, and if they can't recoup the money then they'll have to consider selling the property. I mean, one thing that we haven't talked about is there's competition in the rental market already. If there were free dollars floating around, you know, more investors would enter the market to, to, to suck them up. So they will have to increase price, uh, and if they can't, they'll need to think about um, exiting the market. So if I understand you correctly, there are basically two things, maybe three things that could happen. On the one hand, the landlords would be tempted to pass on some of the extra cost. It is a cost to them to their tenants, so that would mean that the rents will increase. 
it might mean that they withdraw from the markets, in which case um, the supply of rental uh, property will also go down. and so Which will, will further increase. increase the price. It might also be that um, they will just try to cut the expenses on maintaining the property, so the quality will probably go down. That's right. What else could happen? Well, uh, so the... the well, I mean, that, that, that's a good list of what will happen. Um, but I think what, what we also need to think about is who bears those costs. Um, so we typically think uh, that supply in housing markets is, is what we call relatively inelastic. It just doesn't adjust much to changes in price. Probably in the rental market compared to the owner-occupied housing market, it's a little bit more uh, more amenable to changes in price. However, what this means is that the incidence of these cost increases, the extra tax that have now been put on investors, is going to be shared and more likely than not more heavily fall on people renting rather than landlords themselves. So if rents are going up, if the quality of the rental sector is likely to suffer from these interventions, what political responses to these two developments would you expect? Yeah, well, that's a very good question. I think that if the quality of uh, this new policy package is anything to go by, uh, there may be rental controls on the table going forward. Uh, that That's a risk I'm certainly worried about. We um, had the finance minister recently refusing to rule those out when asked about effects on rental markets and in fact that's in perhaps quite wise because he previously ruled out stuff and then did it anyway that's true as f but in 2013 my understanding is he the finance minister uh, campaigned on rent freezes so i mean this is another very dubious policy that will uh, cause more problems than it solves so you know in markets you can you can choose if you're a regulator to decide to pick one thing but not all things so you could pick price but you can't pick quantity and quality so if rent controls come in what will happen is if they're below market rates uh, the only the only thing that will happen is the supply of rental accommodation will fall even further and quality of rental accommodation uh, will fall as, as well so that's a typical example of one intervention leading to another one Exactly. I think we're, we've seen this quite a few times in the housing market uh, in New Zealand already, and uh, we see it we've seen this exact pattern happen overseas um, before. So these are unintended but still obvious consequences of the housing package. I think they're obvious to you and I. So economists would predict them. Yeah. I mean, we were chatting uh, earlier today. I think one of the... Uh, first examples we get in economics when we're being trained in terms of the perils of uh, trying to control markets is uh, that of rent controls. Thank you, David. I think we'll have to watch um, further developments with great interest and um, we will definitely cover this topic in our future podcasts. But for now, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Oliver. Thank you, Oliver.